is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I, of course, am Nick, joined by Jesse and Abdullah for, uh, let's just say, this is going to be a fun one uh, today. Uh, Chelsea go back up to the top of the table uh, with a thrilling 9-0 victory over Leicester City. Uh, we have a ton to get into, obviously, but we'll touch on the lightning quick start. I mean, I think it's the fastest start to a match I've ever seen personally. <laughs> um, a fully fit squad for once having an impact. And then I think uh, a brief aside on Emma Hayes and how she always figures stuff like this out uh, and is is ready for these matches. Uh, but look, we have to get into a three-word match review, guys. We have to. It is the law. So... I'm going to start off with uh, with Jesse, who already uh, you have yours in the script here. Uh, go for it. Top of league. No, the because it's only three words. <laughs> I could say, I guess, top of to league if I was Irish <laughs> or something, but I'm not. So I would not say that thing that I just said. But yeah, you would not. Well, we should be. It looks good, guys. It looks good. Abdullah. I like it. It's good. Guru Bowler Wrighton, I mean, just that start from Guru Wrighton and the whole game was just unreal. So I'm all in on the Guru Wrighton train as I always am. So love it. Yeah, they were they were having a little bit of fun today. We'll we'll touch on that in a second. I'm going with an old London is blue standard, chaos and trophies. There has never been a more chaotic time at Chelsea Football Club, and let's hope there isn't again <laughs> um but uh chaos and trophies this team just looks like they're about to hit their hit their stride as we head towards these last five matches of the year so very excited about that but look we will not dally we will not wait we're going to dive right in uh to talk about Leicester City of course this was Sunday the 27th of March in the WSL at the King Power which is nice uh scoreline Leicester Nil. Chelsea, nine. You did not mishear that. That is Chelsea, nine to the good uh, with goals. And this will be a deep breath moment here. Girl riding in the third minute and then the 45th plus five. Uh, that's her, her brace. Sam Kerr in the third minute and the 47th minute. Beth England in the seventh minute and 28th minute. Nick Nowen in the 11th minute. Lauren James, first WSL goal in the 88th minute. And Jesse Fleming with the cherry on top. In the 90th minute, all were good. Uh, some were even better than good uh, as we get into this. But Abdullah, walk us down the uh, the pathway of the lineup that that produced nine goals in a match. Yeah, um, I mean, interesting. We 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 settled with the three five two system here, uh, and once again, Zichira Musevic is back in goal as mm. I would say right now the number one goalkeeper at Chelsea Football Club. So. Here we are. Uh, Jess Carter, Nick Nawa, and Millie Bright made up our back three. Um, and a midfield five of Guru right in that left wing back is Ji So Yun, Sophie Ingle, Aaron Guthba as your middle three, and Neve Charles as the untroppable right back right now. And up top, we had the pairing of Sam Kerr and Bethany England, who's been a quite, uh, quite on a roll lately. Stats are absurd, <laughs> uh, just frankly. <laughs> Uh, I, it's, it's hard to like read these out. Um, 25 shots to two for, for Chelsea in their favor, 14 shots on target to none, uh, 77% possession, 696 passes, 86% pass accuracy, 
this was a walk in the park uh, in every single way. Uh, nine goals from 14 shots on target is one hell of a conversion rate. Uh, Jesse, uh, expected goals, and then every stat that you want to bring out about how dominant this performance was, please. Yeah, so, I mean, I tweeted saying we were cashing in our expected goals tokens, and that was even before I saw what it was. Uh, yeah, 3.62 to Leicester's 0.37. But, yeah, we really made the most of whatever opportunity, however small, to put it in the back of the net. Um Opta Joe going with uh, Chelsea's 9-0 win against Leicester City is their joint biggest in the WSL, equaling the 9-0 victory against Bristol City last season. And it is also the joint biggest away win in the competition's history, sharing that record with Liverpool, of all teams, who beat Doncaster 9-0 back in 2013. Um, and some other good stuff. It's, you know, biggest win by any team in the WSL this season by some margin. Uh, everyone's kind of talked about how... The WSL, like you're not seeing these like big ridiculous victories anymore. And that's definitely true, right? Like it definitely feels like the league's kind of getting more even. But I think that actually just makes this even more enjoyable. You know, it's like when you see the nine nils in the Premier League, like it means you've played really well. It's not just solely about resources, although of course Chelsea do have a much better team than Leicester, but you know, you guys know what I'm saying. And just finally, uh, Clinical from the Barclays WSL Twitter account. Sam Kerr has now scored against every team she has faced in the WSL. I feel like we could have said that stat at any point this season, just with the way she's on a roll. But the fact that it's now officially official uh, is great. I mean, look, we're going to get into an ad break and then come back to break this all down in a second. But it's, again, didn't play Thursday. Right, should have had the the match against Spurs or Wednesday. Wednesday, I think actually. Sorry, should have played Wednesday. Didn't have it because of of Spurs COVID cases. Uh, had a couple extra days to rest, and uh, and boy, did the team look uh, prepared for this one. So uh, we're gonna take a quick ad break. Thanks to the sponsors for supporting the show, and we'll be right back. Okay, as always, the reminder section of the pod. Uh, these are the uh, the notes that I put up every week. Uh, we're here damn near every week, sometimes twice a week, if you've been a, a party to that lately, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those are the you know, it's the best free way to help us out in the entire world. Uh, we love seeing your comments about how hard Jesse and Abdullah are working on this. So that's great. Um, we're also, um, look, doing a lot of work on Patreon. Jesse's doing some special content uh, for SW6-ish on Patreon over there, too. So... There's a lot going on. Uh, there's a, a ton of uh, community available to to get deeper into this team and, and hopefully into some trophies as we uh, head towards the end of the season here. So join up on Patreon, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you'll be doing us a huge favor. All right. Let's talk about what might be the fastest start I've ever seen to a game <laughs> in my lifetime. Uh, there's being on it, uh, Jesse, and then there's being on it. Uh, can you perhaps... Uh, walk us through the first maybe four or five minutes of this match. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like, obviously, you know, Guru scores this free kick after after three minutes. And we've talked a lot, I think, about this season, about like how important the first goal has become for Chelsea around like the anxiety. And it is such a good goal. If you've not watched it, go 
go and see the free kick. Um, Guru did a really cute interview afterwards as well. She's literally adorable. Like, I just thought to give her a cuddle all the time. Um, but basically saying that she'd been waiting to take a free kick and, and G said, like, you know, this is your chance because normally G, like, gets first dibs on it. Um, and, you know, Guru took her chance. And then it just felt like from then... It was like Leicester were just totally shell-shocked and we were just ready and raring to go. I honestly can't even... There were so many goals today, I almost can't even remember like the order of them. But I think... Is the second one the one where Sam Kerr's sent through one-on-one and yep. like it hits Lambourne yeah. but comes yeah, back yeah, to yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. Which I just also really enjoyed because that goal is like so classic Sam Kerr because I love her, but like one-on-ones really aren't one no. of her strengths, but it still falls to her feet, so she still gets the goal. Um, and then, was it Beth's from the top of the area? Sam yeah. runs yeah. through and pulls it back yeah. to Beth, and then she puts it, um, she took Absolute it really well. cannon. So. Yeah, that was great. And that's seven minutes gone, and we're throwing them up. And the craziest thing is, it didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there were six more. Jesse, there were six more goals that came. Uh, they almost started to raise in quality too, as you as you got to the yeah. last one. I guess uh, Abdullah, when, when you think about the start of this match, and of course, you know all the stuff that goes with it, right? The fact that you know Chelsea win and by a comfortable margin, not only will they be on top of the league by one point, but they'll also you know potentially have the the goal difference uh, to go with it. Did you expect anything else? Uh, no, I mean, this, I mean, when the first couple went in, you're like, you know what, finally, they're, they're doing the thing that we, we've been kind of saying for so many weeks, they got the early goal, the anxiety is gone, like Jesse said, and, and, all right, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can, we can finally have a comfortable game, but didn't expect it to be so comfortable that almost every attack that went on was a, was a resulting in a goal. I mean, even the ones that were that were close, you just you honestly felt like every time the ball went wide central to any attacking player and any cross or pass that went in, this is going to be a goal. And it literally felt like that almost at every point. And to some extent, I felt sorry for Leicester. I was like, that's just like that's just that hurts. I mean, like you you're at the point where every single pass that comes in, you almost have this anxiety of this is just like. I almost felt like they knew it was going to be a goal when the pass came in. So they were resigned to it going in. And, and I think that just played into their heads and and, and kind of them coming off a, a good string of games. They've, they've had a really good second half of the season, this resurgence. So to beat a team like Leicester in, in, in the form that they were, I think is, is, is really good. But to do it in this fashion is unbelievable. And kind of what you said, the goals grew in quality as you got up to, to, to the ninth goal, which was just, you know, filthy that last one just the whole sequence was just unreal um it's just and i think we'll talk about drew spence in a bit again but it's just like drew i'm telling you drew spence the number is a new number 10 at chelsea it has to happen with those back heel <laughs> those back heels every week it needs to happen um but yeah bench g bench Peniel, yeah. bench fran it's fine everyone we that's got it spence. we got drew spence you know like we don't need anybody else um but honestly like such an amazing performance. The, the, I just didn't expect anything. You know what? This this reminded me of the Chelsea of last season. That that Bristol nine 0 that, that we talked about. The other games where they were just ruthless. You just knew that they were going to score goals. That was the Chelsea. So it was almost a very vintage Chelsea performance today. Yeah, it was an interesting. Uh, I think Ben on the commentary who works on some Chelsea Chelsea's TV stuff as well said that when we were seven nil up 
that 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 if Leicester were to come back, that would equal the amount of goals that Chelsea has given up during the league season. Um, which is, you know, I mean, it's it's odd to think about with all the firepower on this team, Jesse. That you know, it's been a defensive uh, dominant season for for this club in, in a way that we didn't really see coming at the beginning of the year. I would say. Um, but it's it's fascinating to see the offense finally start to click a little bit, and the fact that look, I, I feel for our friend Hannah who was on the uh, the return fixture earlier this season. They're just not very good, and they were a step slow to almost everything today. So this was a a nightmare scenario, I think, for for Leicester. Yeah, definitely. I think you know on the defensive stuff, the even more amazing thing is the fact that of the seven goals we've conceded this season, three of them did come in that opening game loss to Arsenal. So since the opening day, we've conceded four goals, despite actually <laughs> looking in a large number of other competitions, still pretty rubbish at the back. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if that's like WSL attacks. I don't know if it's just we we you know suit those teams. I you know we're going to come on to it but that thing of Emma Hayes figuring teams out I do wonder if that's why Chelsea really suit the league competition as a thing um maybe perhaps compared to more of those Champions League games where it feels like it can all go a bit tits up quite quickly um but yeah seeing like the offense <laughs> come together <laughs> was that oh, the first tits up that so I mean great. that's basically the it. way it goes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah with the offense coming together I just think it it brings so much more confidence that it contributes to the defense because I feel like you suddenly get everyone playing like balling out like Millie Bright was just balling out for this whole game some of the balls that she was like putting across the pitch were absolutely filthy and she does this quite a lot but I just think again it speaks to the whole vibe when you know the attackers are on fire the defenders feel good other teams are like feel sick that they have to play us and it it creates this whole pattern right of like success basically yeah i mean i I looked you have this in the script too but this was something that you know i I, when you hear emma talk it's just she glows about grow sometimes where it's just like proud mama bear a little bit she said she's a dream to coach her infectious personality and sense of humor she trained out of this world yesterday she was absolutely phenomenal so I think Emma probably saw this coming, um, and uh, and Lester again playing on that massive pitch at the King Power. Uh, you you noted this, Jesse. These bigger pitches with the amount of technical quality in in Chelsea's team, the ability to play some of these. You know, I mean, Millie's through ball to Sam was unbelievably good. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, is that something that you think, you know, as we as we potentially head back to, like, does that bigger pitch suit Chelsea in a way that it might not suit other teams? Yeah, I do. It's just something I was thinking about because Katie McCabe was on a podcast this week and she was talking about how much harder Arsenal had even found playing at the Emirates for their Champions League quarterfinal against Wolfsburg. And then I was watching this today. I was like, wow, we just really suit having that much we look good when there's that much space because there's so many talented players and it might be less of a Chelsea thing and maybe against who we're playing against but you know you saw it with Arsenal at Wembley you saw it with Leicester today if teams don't know how to cover those bigger pitches it doesn't take much for us to run riot because we're talking about you know scoring all these goals in in 10 minutes in this game but 
to be honest, if we'd taken all our chances in the FA Cup final, it probably could have been 3 0 after about 15, 20 minutes then. So, Truth. again, I think it just shows like the combination of like fast start, teams maybe not used to all that space is perhaps what's giving us some advantage in these games. And I also then think it's interesting that like, you know, the, the Conti Cup final, okay, like the pitch was maybe like slightly bigger, but the turf had had like rugby played on it. So again, like that then doesn't suit our style of play. And it's interesting when you see these like slight differences in pitch, maybe having these much bigger effects over our games. Abdullah, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, and it's weird because I, I, I believe they don't like playing at Stamford Bridge, which is then another one of those weird things where, um, you know, you, you have a bigger pitch over there. And I think it's it's a combination, and I agree, so I think it's a combination of as well the fact that if you're, you're, the opposition just has another thing to deal with, the fact that, you know, they've got to worry about the big pitch and getting used to it. Because, I mean, you look at you look at teams like Leicester, you look at teams uh, like Reading, who played at the Majeski last season as well. Um, they're teams who have much, much smaller stadiums in comparison to their male counterparts, right? Um, whereas, yes, I know that Chelsea's pitch at Kings Meadow isn't, biggest as well and Stamford Bridge is obviously much bigger but it almost feels as if because these these bigger teams go to Wembley's more often every season in the FA Cup Conti Cup they play these bigger stadiums they're used to playing in those in those bigger stadiums and obviously been in the Champions League now the last couple of seasons obviously this season more so that the the, 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 the quarter and semi-finals are now starting to be played at bigger stadiums. You've got like North London derbies playing at the Emirates and, <clears throat> and, and whatnot so I think that, that is only helping uh, Chelsea and the bigger sides to be able to do that and I think at the same time it's Chelsea's players are so talented that I feel like when you've got players like a Wright and then you've got Sam Kerr when you give them more space to use they just use it better right like a Gur, if you give Gur more space to run down the wing and more space to kind of interchange oh she's gonna love it you want give Sam that ability to be able to to make those U-turn diagonal runs coming off defender's shoulders but when there's more space to run into She's gonna thrive. That the three 0 like we just, Jesse just referenced against Arsenal in the FA Cup final was just a testament to that. The amount of space that they almost felt like they had was was unreal. Even today, like we said, every opportunity felt like it was gonna be a goal, and I think that just comes from the fact that they know how to use the bigger pitches better than most other teams. And I think it really just comes down to that. Um, and it's a skill that I think has been developed by the team really, really well over the last few months. Yeah, I mean it's. This is not going to be a tactical surprise to anyone, but when you're playing on a small play, small pitch, and you have a you know kind of an, a team in the ascendancy and a team who who wants to sit back, the team who wants to sit back, if they're playing on a smaller pitch, can be more compact. They don't have to stretch as far. They can essentially blockade the goal. They can put four or five people in front of it and make it harder for Chelsea to get in and around. Uh, that was not the case today. I mean, Leicester got pulled out in all sorts of areas um, that, that were not comfortable for him. And then all it takes is Sam Kerr or Bethany England or Guru Ryden or Lauren James or any of these players to make a run into the space. And we have enough talent on the ball to get them the ball where they can shoot and score. And that happened nine times today. I mean, like, that's the... That's just kind of the long and short of it. And so it, it will be interesting to see if Arsenal has learned any of those lessons in the FA Cup semifinal coming up, Jesse, because I think, again, if you looked at the entire scope of that game, Chelsea won so easily at the end. And, of course, everyone remembers Sam Kerr's goal, to, the chip, right, to to get it across the line. But 
Chelsea were just dominant in space in that game, and Arsenal didn't have the athletes to cover every blade of grass like Chelsea was. Yeah, I mean, the semifinals at Bournemouth, so it will be very interesting, obviously, because we're going to go into that with the 1-1, lost one, drawn one, across three very different games. Because, you know, we're talking about big pitches, but Arsenal played us at the Emirates and beat us. So they True. and they used loads of space and they used the space that day right we got ripped apart because we couldn't figure out and you know i think that there was stuff going on there with the back three and like the positioning and i think that's what you saw again with leicester today it was it's as much about the space you're covering as it is about the space between the players on the team and actually as the game went on you saw leicester start to figure out like that their midfielders needed to come slightly close together to stop mini bright just putting a ball directly through to whoever was in the huge amount of space that was between Leicester's defence and midfield. Um, but you started to see them to get get there with it. Um, and I think that's, you know, what Chelsea's advantage has been in some of these games is because we start so quick as a team that you don't have much time to get your head around that. And then, you know, obviously if you are 3-0 down after seven minutes, your head's just gone at that point. So it's almost like anything that happens in the remaining 83 minutes is a bit like, I don't know, you're just in a in a situation that you've literally never really been in before. So, yeah, I mean, the semi-final against Arsenal is going to be very, very interesting just because of what Arsenal's schedule might end up looking like, what our schedule might end up looking like, um, and, and the games that have gone before. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see. And we haven't played them at Borenwood this season, but we've smashed them at Borenwood before, so... That we have. Uh, more on Smashing Arsenal later. Uh, up to Joe, seven. It only took seven minutes for Chelsea to lead 3-0 against Leicester City. Um, they are the first side to ever score three times within the opening 10 minutes of a match in the competition. Demolition. Sorry. Um, sorry to Leicester and all of their supporters. Um, I, I think kind of moving on, one of the things that was interesting about the lineup, and we didn't touch on this earlier, but I wanted to kind of throw this out to, to the both of you. Does this does this three five two make Chelsea seem more dangerous on the counter? Uh, to to me, it was like having that extra midfielder in there, and I think you know having a little bit of stability with Sophie Engel and and allowing Aaron Cuthbert and, and G before her um, unfortunate injury uh, to run into space was really lethal. And again, having those kind of midfielders being able to play balls through uh, was was fascinating to me. I know we've tried different variations of this formation this year, Abdullah, and you know, gone with more of a three-four-three, or you know, played someone in the hole or whatever. But it, is this something that you're interested in moving forward? I liked it. I think it, I think it helps in in two situations. And I think the last couple of weeks we've we've been talking a lot about a plan B for Chelsea and what it is they can do, and have they been able to find a plan B? And we've always talked about plan B in a in a three-four-three or a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three where how do we make the best trio of players? Where, well, this could be the answer to plan B, where you're not just playing the three, you maybe just play with the two up front and you use your, um, you know, you know, all, you know the, the number of various different center midfielders that you have. And this could work because I think you, you get the best out of Bethany England in the sense because you're playing her in a more natural center forward position alongside a Sam Kerr, who is very much who's someone who can play both centrally and can work around a more static, if I can call Bethany England, centre forward in comparison. So 
I think it works well for the duo up front. And especially in a moment like now, when you have no friend Kirby, you have no Penila Harder, and you need someone like Bethingen to come in, well, then you might as well just play in a pairing like what we did a couple of seasons ago when the 4 4 2 was, was a big thing and we won the league in that COVID hit season through points per game. Um, similarly, you can get someone like G, Cuthbert, Engel, uh, <clears throat> Spence, whoever else you want to put into that you know, middle three. And someone is going to, have, if not two players, are going to have the license to be able to move around and kind of join up as a three. So I think it gives them the freedom as well. And if you want to shore things up, you just tell that player to drop back into a three and suddenly you've got three defending the back three, which then again gives you that defensive solidarity. And um, and I think it also does come down to the two wing backs as well who have to be careful. So I think in this game, Wrighton and Charles worked out perfectly well because of the opponent we're playing against. They're really good at the counter. And they both of them didn't need to do much defending uh, overall. So I think it was fine. They did not. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. They didn't have to do much defending. So I think for them to play their natural gains going forward was just a lot easier. But I think against tougher opposition, it's the wingbacks where I would kind of be tentative and have to worry about how we set up there and what we would do. But kind of for the central areas in the front too, I think this could be a really good plan B going forward. And this is where you talk about Beth England finally coming in and shining on her own. Jesse, what are your thoughts on the three five two? Yeah, I I definitely like it. But I think, you know, in all of the games where I felt like we've looked our best this season, what's felt noticeable to me is rather than necessarily what exact formation we've been in it's been the ability to kind of transition from the back three to the back four and kind of push start pushing those extra players up and I think you saw that a lot today especially on the left side was how high Guru Ryson was able to get because Jess Carter was coming around and and basically playing as a left back really and Magda Eriksson basically did the same when she came on the pitch um and I think it's what's really nice there and it's interesting because Emma Hayes said in her post-match that they've been talking about different ways to create overloads um in in training this week and you know that ability to kind of swing your whole defense round and we've mainly seen Chelsea do it from the left I think because Wrighton is is obviously kind of that's a stronger side really I think than Charles even though Charles has been really good but it does allow you to start moving your opponent like in and out. And they don't know necessarily when your wing back is suddenly going to become a winger and have a fullback behind them. So I think that's the thing that I've enjoyed more than like the specific configurations of kind of the front two, three, whatever. It's just because we know that those players are so fluid. I do totally agree with Abdullah. I think Bethany England suits a two much, much, much more than she does a three. So I think that works for like if England's like gonna be your starter, that's that's what you should do. But the the quality of our attackers is such is that really I think England aside, most of them you expect to be able to find space, get on the ball, kind of regardless of what specific positions they're actually in. I put positions in air quotes, which is a stupid thing to do on a podcast, but there I we think go. everyone heard him. <laughs> everyone heard him. Well, I mean, let's talk about let's talk about Beth. Um, you know, someone who I think has gone long stretches this season without a ton of minutes and, you know, because of, you know, what Abdullah mentioned earlier with Fran and Pernilla is is getting some real game time now is scoring. I mean, I loved her her first finish, the confidence, the power that showed me that I think, you know, she's ready for this kind of final stretch of the season. 
Um, but I guess Abdul, what are your what are your thoughts on on her and and maybe what what Beth can bring uh, to Chelsea as we kind of close things out? I'm a I'm a big Beth England fan. I think she um, she's been a great servant for the club. Obviously, she was one of the players that helped win the league a couple of seasons ago, and she was that central figure. So it's not like we're talking about someone who hasn't pulled their weight. She's won titles for the club. So um, I think that's that's first thing to be said. And I think England just brings di- something different to all the other attackers that we have. I mean, Kirby, Harder, Sam Kerr herself. I mean, it's it's. Bethany England is just someone who just is able to kind of be both a kind of like I said before, like a, a static focal point. She can be that. But she can also be someone that can run in behind. See someone who can pick it up to feet, and you know she gives something defenders to think about from a from from being able to focus on her and being able to and then allow others to kind of play in around her. I mean, I think we saw both sides of her game today. I think we were able to see her. Um, be a bit more of a playmaking uh, striker, dropping into spaces, and then that that cross into Sanka's header. That was an example of that. Um, the goal that she took on her own was just, was was just you know a masterclass in, in 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 taking a goal like that. So, and then just I think her overall play. I think probably one of her better performances, if not her best performance this season. And I think someone like Beth is is just a really good alternative. I think that's the best way to put it. She's she's a very very good alternative when things aren't going right, when you want to chain things up because she's just not like, I mean, I know that Kerr, Kirby and Harder are three different types of players themselves, but to some extent, there is a little bit of an overlap between some of their styles of play and the, and the ways that they move and do things. I think Bethany England is totally different from all three of them in, in, in a way. And, and I think that gives teams a little bit, something different to, to think about. And I think the fact that she's now been playing consistent run of games, and we've said that Bethany is one of those players, if you give her a run of games, she's she gets better and she's finally taking her chances in the last couple of games and 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 you know showing that okay now I know how to, now I can play because I'm not someone who needs 10 minutes on a pitch I need 60 70 80 90 minutes for two three games at a time and I know you want to say something so go ahead no I mean I, I think it was interesting to me Jesse because look Beth is physically d- different than I think any of the other forward options. I mean, Sam is the most complete, you know, obviously great in the air, great with her feet, all this stuff. Right. But Beth is not as like straight line fast. She probably isn't as agile, but she does provide you something else. And I think she's clever in the space that she uses. Right. So when I even look at the the header of our post today, uh, that's an instinct run that she made to to go grab that and the team got a little cross happy even you know, which isn't typically how this team plays i mean we're not just kind of crossing balls in the into the box for no reason because the profile of our forwards is is not really of that type right uh so uh, w- what are your thoughts on you know how she kind of functions in this especially if you know pranilla or, or fran is out for a more extended period of time Yeah, I think it's great to see her back in form because I think before, like, there didn't feel like much confidence there. And that's why we kind of saw, you know, even Jessie Fleming being pushed higher up the pitch to justify it. But I think, you know, these past two games, she's had the opportunity against, like, let's be real, we could, you know, we've played in the FA Cup, we played the team bottom of the league, and today we played the team second bottom of the league. But sometimes you need those matches to you know, help you find your shooting boots. Like, again, her, the goal she scored today, like, from the edge of the area, is such a classic Beth England goal because she can hit the ball like that, but it's not something we've really 
seen from her I think recently because even when she has been like getting on the end of stuff it has been more like the headers and the, the things that like the tap-ins that are fantastic but you know she's always been this more complete player who can take the shots that you might actually associate with a player like Harder or Kirby instead that's why she's so deadly um, and I think yeah just having that time period in and also being able to kind of rebuild a relationship with Kerr like obviously the when Kerr arrived, they played together as a two because there was no harder. There was no Kirby at the time. Um, I mean, obviously Kirby was at Chelsea, but, you know, she she wasn't playing for us. So, but then as, you know, time's gone on, Kerr's built new relationships with players, but she hasn't had that time with Beth to kind of rebuild that. And because most of the time when we've seen Beth come in, it has been in place of Kerr. So I think, again, like what you're seeing is maybe them kind of rebuilding that relationship between the two of them. And I thought, you know, it was just like great to see their interaction after like some of the goals it felt like they really wanted to play with each other it's not easy being at a club like Chelsea where Sam Kerr is Beth England's direct competitor to to play in that place you know and and sometimes I think it's natural that you know that competition like everyone's human like sometimes that like can get to players as well and I felt like today maybe it's just because like it was sunny and we were scoring loads of goals but it felt like that relationship seemed like it was in maybe a better place than it has potentially been at other points. Everything's easier when you're scoring nine goals. Uh, I'll put it that way. Uh, look, Emma Hayes said about the squad depth, the team was incredible today. We were so clinical, so ruthless, but you see the difference with our squad depth. It's driving standards at training, and that's what matters. I could see this result coming for us. I feel like we're in a stretch of the season. We know what this is about, i.e. winning time. Uh, we were doing some different things in training to create overloads. This team has so much flexibility. I can do so many different things with them because they're intelligent and they know how to win games with the same relentless uh, attitude, I guess, I demand. Um, this is, uh, I think, probably to the greater point here, right? Five or so matches left in WSL season, uh, a couple uh, potentially uh, FA Cup semifinal and an FA Cup final uh, to go. I don't know how else you would feel about this uh, jesse besides uh, emma's kind of maybe been lying in wait a little bit this season to get this team to a point where you know it's it's closing the deal time and, and winning time do you think that you know potentially seven matches left in the year that they're gonna go and just absolutely nail it i mean right now it feels like it but i will say we've been here before this season sure. that's like literally how i felt after the fa cup final like we'd gone on this crazy run of games we'd just smashed arsenal we'd done the domestic quadruple and i literally walked into that juventus game at king's meadow like today we're going to qualify for the court finals of the champions league because we're going to blow them away and it didn't happen <laughs> so <laughs> i am like not gonna go all out because i feel like i've been burnt for the season but that being said like yeah we look really good. There's lots of players who are fit. I will say it is a bit of a concern that there's no Harder and no Kirby. I think Harder's is more of like a knock thing, but Kirby's obviously on this extended break holiday because she doesn't feel quite right, you know? And those thing, those players are still going to... You want those players to matter for the run of games we've got, but it is obviously, you know good that the players who are in at the moment are on form that we do have players coming back to full fitness that it feels like we've got a fuller squad but I think also uh Hayes said something which I don't think like we've got quoted here but she said it on Sky saying you know like 
I get that basically this is a results-driven business, blah, blah, blah. But for me, the, the thing that's most important is the performance. And, you know, maybe now we're just starting to see the results match the performance because we have played like this, I would say, against a lot of teams in the league this season. And we've just not come away with the results. But like, to be honest, like we should have come away with a result maybe not this big, but like similar when we played Brighton and that was a nil-nil draw. You know, when we played Reading, we lost one nil, but we could have easily with the chances created one, three or four one. So I think that's maybe like Hayes' feeling as well is like, this has always been here, but the results haven't happened. That was true for like the Juve game too. And it must be hard like to be in a team where you're like, what do we have to do? Like, what more do we have to do? And maybe this is kind of our reward. Well, I think, Abdullah, when she mentions training a couple of times today in the the post-match interview, that that to me is the indicator, right? Because she sees these guys all the time. Uh, She understands when when they have good training or bad training. And the fact that I think she's like, hey, we're we're working on some tricks in training right now, and they are coming <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, you know, that that tells me that, like, it, we're we're getting stronger. Like, we're, you know, we're we're closing this thing the right way. I think we're hitting our peak. Is that is that what you take away from that? Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think it's a, it's also a good sign, the fact that she's not letting them less, rest on any, any laurels that they might have. So, like, I'm pretty sure that once they go into training tomorrow, the day after, um, it's going to be back to doing the same things. All right, let's try something new. I'm pretty sure knowing Emma, if there was any slimmer of of a mistake in this in this in this match, she's going to be like, all right, we made that mistake. It wasn't the perfect game. How can we fix it? And then let's try new things. Maybe there's things she didn't like from the game. Maybe things that she was like, but she's not going to tell the media and tell us. So I think it's 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 really it's it's really good to see the fact that we can the team can come away and and Emma is someone who can constantly just find something new with the squad of players and because you know, it definitely was a time when 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 things weren't going so great we we're like have we have we run into a ceiling like is this it is this is this the best the squad because it's always like we get to a high it comes down and we get to a high it comes down now can we and i think this 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 coming up this high i feel like feels a little bit different to the to the other ones yes there was clinical performances against arsenal or emphatic wins but again to score nine goals not that we've been able to do it much this season it, it with the ease that we were able to do it and an emma kind of talking about training i feel like there was just something totally different about it and i'm and i'm hoping that this is the start of new creative ways of making this team play and 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 kind of and i think the other thing is adapting without two of the best players in the side. I think that is probably the, probably the biggest takeaway I can take from from everything that, that's been said. Well, I, there are other goals that we could talk about because there were nine of them today, and we've only touched on a smattering of them. But Lauren James, first goal. How about that? Uh, and I think a well-taken uh, finish as well, kind of playing. <laughs> looked like she was kind of playing number nine, uh, Jesse. Th- there's... Uh, and I think her movement inside is is no shock if you watch her at United. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, finally, you know, I feel like we've waited for this moment for a long time. But I think what was so telling about James today is that, you know, maybe at points when she's come on in games where the game's, like, wrapped up, we're, like, 3 or 4 nil up, she's ended up feeling quite anonymous. And I don't know whether that's because the players around her have been, like, kind of already packed up and gone home but today it felt very different like she was immediately involved she 
like wanted to make a difference. You know, we scored in the 47th minute and then we hadn't scored anymore. And you're thinking, well, is this game just going to peter out 7-0? That's cool. That's great. But Lauren has a... What a ridiculous thing to say, by the way. Who stopped at the 47th minute? It's 7-0. God, you guys are ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she scores the 8th. She has a massive hand in the ninth as well. And I think she just brought a bit of like bite to the game um which i feel like hadn't always been there and maybe some of the her other like cameos i guess we'd call them and i think also it just felt like maybe she was ready i feel like in the past we've seen her maybe get in similar positions to that but rush the shot and not kind of hit it in the way that we know she can but she just like took this so nicely like i know because she's pulled back and made the space it doesn't seem like that harder technique but the way she kind of like chips it up is like no matter if the keeper was like seven foot she wasn't going to save that so yeah she just took it really well and it, it was nice to see that like for all the like tricks and nutmegs she was doing it's like you know they're great and we love watching them right but like that's what really matters that like peeling off the defender and, and scoring so yeah first of many 100 percent. well we we have to we have to talk about Guro's chip um, I don't know if she meant this. It it doesn't matter. It was beautiful. It was my favorite goal of the bunch, actually, uh, because it was just so delicate and just kind of, if you're a goalkeeper and you're watching that and you're like, oh, shit, uh, that's just going in. Um, and it's kind of a helpless feeling, I would, I would guess, uh, to see one of those to uh, kind of float over your head there. But I don't. Based on her reaction, I don't know Abdullah if she meant that. <laughs> I guess she kind of was just like, I don't know, Michael Jordan. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it almost it almost felt like that. You know, on the left wing with that with that supposed cross shot. You know, going into the back post. It was like it almost felt like Sam Kerr was expecting. Or I, I think it was Sam Kerr at the far post. Um, yeah, just like expecting that ball to come in, and then it just went in. Everyone was like. All right, I'll take it. No problem. I meant it. I totally meant it. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it was probably a, a cross turned into a shot that just lobbed over the keeper. But um, you know what? Considering the luck that this team has had and the goals that they had in this game, it, like we said, everything was bound to go in. So at this point, you can easily just say, "I meant it. I'm I'm best left winger in the league. It's totally fine. I meant it." And then you can just roll with it and go, "Fair enough." Who might argue? Yeah, just don't use all your luck in one game. All right. That's like, the other that's, thing. <laughs> we got to chill out a little bit. All right, Jesse, let's talk about the last goal, which is technically the best of the bunch, I think, uh, with the interchange. Uh, walk us through uh, an absolute delightful goal. Yeah, it was it was so, so good. Um I can't even remember who starts off the move. But anyway, Drew, at some I point, think. Lauren James is in there. Yeah, I think Drew starts and she plays like a one-two with, LJ and then Drew is like you know that thing that I did last week that worked really really well I'm gonna do it again (laughs) and she flicks the ball with her heel again this time into a much trickier place to be fair this was no tapping um but for Jesse Fleming who hit it very very sweetly and it was a very satisfying move all round but yeah Drew Spence is just 
hilarious it's so funny it was genuinely like you know when you're a kid and you like learn how to do a skill for the first time and so like every time you go on a football pitch you're like i've got to try this and it's like she's just realized she's got a heel she can play the ball with and it's actually like coming off every time for her oh man yeah i the angle they showed from behind the goal for how much of a clinical finish that was from fleming is insane you don't even see the ball cross kind of into the path of goal until it's like right by the post. And so like from a, for a near post shot, that was about as good as it gets. And and I know that's not the part of the, the goal that everyone's talking about, but uh, it was an incredible finish from Jesse Fleming, uh, who just continues to get better and better and better. Just a casual part of the season that people might uh, do well to remember. Uh, I guess last part of the pod here, let's talk about Emma Hayes. Um, she does not like making the same mistakes twice. Um, and in fact, I think is is trying to get this team into a spot where they are not only league winners this year, but uh, FA Cup winners as well. Jesse, can you talk about what you saw in this game or what you've seen over the course of the season that has kind of shown some growth from even Emma at this stage? Yeah, I just, you know, it's interesting. Like, we've played Leicester three times this season now, right? Um, We played them at home, and it was one of those first games where we really, really just struggled against a low-block team. Um, We really needed Peniel Harder to bail us out, and eventually we did win 2-0, but we scored both goals in the last 10 minutes. And then, obviously, we played them in the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago, and they've had a change of manager since then. They kind of came out quite strong. We probably got fortunate with the red cards, but that kind of allowed us to blow them away. Um, but, you know, we had kind of struggled to deal with them on two separate occasions. So, you know, we've talked about whether the, the pitch had an impact and blah, blah, blah. But I just thought it was so telling that, you know, this time it was like, Hayes was like, oh, no, I know like what you're about now. I've watched you play us twice. OK, it's been under two different managers, but like I know where your weaknesses are and I'm just going to exploit them and you know it's something we saw in the Champions League run last year it was like every single first leg we played we were pretty rubbish but then somehow we kind of stayed in the game enough to come back and like smash the team next time round and you know obviously with the Champions League final that's when we had a problem when we didn't have that time but even then it was like the second half was so different from the first half and Barcelona aren't a team who like really take their foot off the gas like I think if they'd want like to to score more they would have um so I think it's frustrating because you're like okay this is a pattern can we get to the point where we don't have to do the shit bits first yeah just eliminate the first part (laughs) but like we have we've had this so many times as well like the 1920 season you like was hilarious too because that season we conceded in the first 10 minutes of, like, every single game. So we would just go and win every game, like, 5-1. But I was like, why Why are we so, like, slow to start? And it feels like we've just lengthened that problem that now we need, like, 90 minutes to figure out a team where before we needed 10. But, you know, teams are, like, changing and getting better all the time. And I think Hayes is adapting and growing as a coach. Like, it's easy to remember that, like, for all of her success most of the entirety of her first team coaching career has been at Chelsea. So it's kind of understandable that you'd expect like a coach still to be getting better. And I think she is getting better. And I think, you know, she would admit that as well. Um, 
And yeah, again, like her talking about training so much, I thought was really interesting, like them trying different things, you know, being like, okay, the way we're trying to pick about teams doesn't work. And yeah, I'm glad that like it kind of pays off in in this result. And hopefully, you know, the improvement we see moving forward is, I don't know, whether that's Chelsea be a better analyst or Emma Hayes needs to listen to them more. I don't know where the breakdown is happening there, but, you know, that we don't have to do the rubbishy bit first. Really good point about the rubbishy bit. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's let's talk standout performer uh, Abdullah. Which was your favorite of the bunch? Guru Wrighton. Just easy nobody choice. else. It's easy choice for me. Guru Wrighton's all the way. Such a great performance. Absolutely loved it. And um, you know, just I, every time she steps on the pitch, she 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 delivers. So yeah, I'm happy with Guru Wrighton. Jesse. Yeah, I've got to give it to Guru as well. Like the performance today, just the quality that she showed. And, you know, I think, again, yeah, the importance of that first goal to us. Like, I don't think this game unfolds in the same way if she doesn't take that free kick like that. And she just absolutely destroyed Leicester on that left-hand side. It was amazing. It was a delight. I think she is the clear choice. I will give an honourable mention to Millie Bright, who got back to some of her offensive best today in terms of finding passes uh, forward. And, and again, I think it was so comfortable for her. She, she was wearing the captain's armband for most of the, most of the match until Magda came back on for a, a brief appearance. But yeah, if we can see a little bit more of that, you know, getting her back to maybe scoring a, a banger or two this year, that would be great. She hasn't scored one in the league. So we gotta, we gotta work on that with these last She's few due. matches. That yeah, I know. Five games she's due. Imagine it comes against United in the last year of the season. Just mm. putting that out there. Putting that out there. Putting it out there. I Press love it. Circle. <laughs> <Press> circle. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look, the rest of the season, uh, it you know, each one of these we do, the the list gets a little bit shorter. So Chelsea obviously running out nine nil winners today. We have a match against Tottenham that needs to be rescheduled. That was supposed to be uh, last Wednesday. Uh, we have Reading next week um, on Sunday. And so that'll be another chance for this team to kind of work on on what they're doing in training. We obviously have the semifinal against Arsenal um, on the 17th of April. Uh, the I guess the Tottenham match rescheduled for the 24th now. Is that officially official? No, that's the no, that's the other Tottenham match because yeah. we've got to play them twice. We have to so play them the twice away now. matches have always been scheduled for there, but we okay. still want to play them at home. So I suspect we're probably going to play them back to back. Going to play them back to back. What it awesome. looks like gap cool. twice. <laughs> cool stuff. Um, then uh, Birmingham City away, which you know they're the bottom uh, of the league, and then United at home to kind of wrap things up. So two matches against Spurs, a match against Reading, a match against Arsenal in the FA Cup semifinal, and then a home match to United. So. Look, uh, the standings, uh, th this is a welcome change from what we've seen most of the year. Chelsea on top. That's right. On top of the Woo! league. 41 points uh, now with a God, serious goal differential of 40. Uh, <laughs> today obviously does wonders in the goal diff department when you win 9-0, but uh, we go above Arsenal for the first time this year on goal diff as well. Um, and Arsenal on 40 points on the same number of matches played. United uh, played one more match. They won today against Everton. Uh, they're on 35 points right above City, uh, who will need to pull a Chelsea if they were to kind of climb above them on goal difference. 
on 32 points. City's obviously going through a little bit of a, a run here. Spurs on 16 matches played. So a couple or one behind Chelsea and a couple behind United on 28 points. Then Brighton, West Ham, Reading, Everton, Villa, poor Leicester City uh, down there on 11th and Birmingham City in the uh, in the last spot. So uh, final thoughts, Jesse. Go. Just great vibes. And it's just so nice because this year has been crazy like on and off the pitch and it's I think there were points like when we went out of the Champions League where I was like I don't care about the rest of the season because everything's rubbish and it's nice to be having an end of season that I think you know this team deserves Abdullah yeah um yeah I agree I think there was a point where I was like you know you almost forgot after they got of the Champions League and after the Conti Cup final you're like there's still a league to fight for. I think that that kind of, in some way, at least for me, it was kind of forgotten that we're still fighting for a league title, and it's that's no that's no that's no you know poor achievement. Like, yes, poor performance in the Champions League and losing the Conti Cup to Man City is obviously is 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 really painful. But you know, if this team still ends up winning the league and this was a bad season, quote unquote, and again, I'm doing the uh, air quotes on on a podcast. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 it says a lot about the team that's won a league, but you know has still been considered as not great this season. So I'm excited for the last few games. Yeah, I, I think I want to phrase it up or uh, shape it up like this too. Um, we forget that Chelsea won last season's FA Cup just a couple months ago. Um, Chelsea could very well be a part of another FA Cup final should they beat Arsenal uh, again, which would be. Really uh, an interesting achievement. I think kind of take the season series uh, very much favorably in our in our uh, terms. I mean, you look at the league, if Chelsea were to win the league after trailing for most of it and then sometimes trailing by like four or five points, I think, at, at the, the worst stage of the season, you see an Arsenal kind of relapse a little bit to where they, where they were. Um, this is potentially a season where Chelsea could win the league and FA Cups in consecutive seasons. That's not nothing. Um, I think the training stuff that Emma brings up today is really interesting. It kind of feels like she's back in the lab and, you know, throughout all this uncertainty has been such an incredible leader uh, for, for the club, for her players. And I think it's just a testament to who she is um, as, a, as a human being. So uh, if, if Chelsea were to go through and, and do what I just said, the chaos and trophies will have never been a more apt saying uh, for this team. And uh, let's do it. Let's do it. So, look, uh, we will be back, obviously, as, as matches get rescheduled. And all that jazz, but we'll certainly be back next week after the Reading match. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the 9-0 blue fly flying high. <laughs>